Remember when you first said I do and how in love you were? Then came kids, work, responsibilities, and laundry. Suddenly your marriage became the last thing on your priority list. Are you wanting more out of your marriage? We are Jeff and Mandy Rose, and we want to show you how to design your perfect marriage. Join us on our challenges of adventure, commitment, faith, and yes, intimacy. We want to help you make your marriage more. Do you remember when we used to look forward to three-day weekends? When there was holidays and you know, time off from work and spend more time at home? <laughs> remember we used to look forward to those? Yeah. And snow days. And Thank snow days. We were like, yes, a snow day. And then we had kids. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had kids. Not so much like just one kid. Maybe not so much as two kids. But man, when you go like three plus... And you're stuck <laughs> with your children for three days. It's not that bad to me because this was like summer for me. So I was stuck with them for like 90 straight days. You just got like, just recently got like three days in a row without a break. And I'm not sure why. I mean, I love my kids, obviously. I think I do. <laughs> you do. They just had some interesting behavior this weekend. So we just came off of Columbus Day, and I think, you know, part of it was we, we kind of had a plan for Monday morning, and unfortunately, it didn't quite work out, so, and that was kind of my fault. I should have pivoted and, and just come up with something we could have done, you know, like went, went to the park or something, which we actually were going to try, but then, as Mandy alluded to, one of our, well, not two of our kids were kind of misbehaving, and then some other neighbor kids started playing, and so we just doing two square, four square here at the house and wiffle ball and everything else, so, anyway. It, was, it wasn't that bad. I don't know. I was just down yesterday. You were, I'm being I think honest. you were just having a rough weekend. I guess. <laughs> I guess. I actually enjoy it because then you're here helping me on the weekends, so it's not that bad. It's easier than the weekdays for me. True. <laughs> yeah, I was happy to help, but I'm happy to uh, have the week starting now, and here we are recording, and I don't know if you can tell or not, maybe not, but uh, we are actually using some new podcast equipment. We have decided that, I mean, we actually had some decent equipment, but we just really wanted audio to be, take it to the next level, as they say. You upgraded us. I upgraded. So now I have this monstrosity of a microphone and a pop filter, which is like this circular screen that is about the size of a small side plate. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. right in my face right now, which is really weird. And he says I have to talk really like all up on it. It feels weird. Like my nose is get touching. up all up, all up my, in it. My nose is touching it. Is that right? Is yeah. that how I'm supposed to talk into it? For those that are sports fans, if you've ever seen like a manager of a baseball team, like when they're upset at an umpire for making a bad call, and they go out and they just start yelling in the umpire's face, and they get all up in them. You ever seen that before? Uh, yeah. That's, and then I'm thinking, what's, that's wrong? What what's wrong with these people? Well, that, that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I might as well treat our microphone like a Tootsie Pop and <laughs> oh, geez. find out what's at the center. Just don't start singing Tootsie Roll. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see your Tootsie Roll. <laughs> awesome. Hey, well, uh, we are excited that you're here for the Marriage More podcast. And if this is your first time listening, my name is Jeff. This is my wife, Mandy. We have been married for some amount of years, I think, <laughs> somewhere in that time frame. Okay. Right? Yeah. 12 years, almost 12 years. Almost. Almost 12. 12 years, coming up soon. We've got four kids, and we just are loving, loving life, and we appreciate that you are here. 
And really with the focus of this Marriage More podcast is just that. We really want to make your marriage more. And we have been trying to be as transparent as we can. We are, yes, we, I guess we would consider that we have a successful marriage, but to have a successful marriage, we've had to go through a lot of obstacles, a lot of journeys, and a lot of compromises, and just recognize when we were both making mistakes in our marriage and how we approached marriage and just being very selfish in our ways. And, and we're still going through that on a, say, daily basis, but, you know, could be considered a daily basis. But uh, we were just committed, really, to learning with you and just helping encourage you to make your marriage more, and that's why we are here. We would also love if you are a new listener or if you've been listening for a while, we would love for you guys to head over to marriagemore.com forward slash iTunes. And that's where you can leave a review and rating for our show. That is literally the best way for other couples to find our podcast. And so, yeah, we've just been really excited about some of the things that you've been sharing over there. I'm going to read one of our most recent reviews, and this is from... Does that say? J and K Drapes. J and K Drapes. And so they said, Jeff and Mandy's podcast is so honest and encouraging. It makes me feel normal and makes me want to keep working on our marriage in the practical ways. It never makes me feel overwhelmed or helpless. Instead, I leave feeling encouraged and with some fun new ideas to try. Since listening, my husband and I have been asking each other about our daily wins. And I absolutely love hearing what has been a big deal in his day. And it makes me feel closer to him. Thank you, Jeff and Mandy. I appreciate you and your honesty, transparency, and your love for Jesus. Thank you, J&K Drapes. We are glad that this podcast and what we are doing is impacting your marriage and your life. And so that's the same for anyone listening. You know, if this is something that you feel is beneficial to your marriage, we would love for you guys to head on over there and leave us a review. We appreciate that. Yeah, once again, that is at marriagemore.com forward slash iTunes where you can do that. So we appreciate that. Another thing that we are super excited about was not too long ago, we launched the Marriage More Community. And this is just a free Facebook group where we really wanted to get to know the Marriage More listeners on a deeper level. So we started this community just in hopes that uh, we can learn more about what your wins are, what your struggles are, and just to be a safe place to share any of those type of things. And I will say that this community has really, it's really opened my eyes to not just, one, there's just a lot of amazing people out there that are willing to add support and pray and and offer any sort of encouragement when needed. But it also has been, I was just telling many of this earlier, it's also realized, I mean, how heavy that a lot of people are in their marriage. Not, not how heavy, but just how how much struggle there is, you know, in, in certain aspects. And it just is a reminder of like where Mandy and I were several years ago, you know, when we were also in that struggling period of our marriage. And, you know, we went through a, a few of those times. And and we still have daily struggles, but I feel like we've kind of got through like the worst of it. And to see, you know, some of these people that are in some of those same spots that we were and just, it just reminds me of like how hard that was. And to have a place where they can share that, I mean, one, to have the courage to do so is amazing. But then two, just to see the people come out and just offer their support has just been, I've just, I've just enjoyed seeing that. Yeah, it's been neat to see. And it's fun just to have a place where we I'm seeing now, like within the group, people are reaching out to each other privately, you know, like they've been through some situation that somebody's posted about and they're, you know, they're saying, hey, I'll private message you. I've been there. I've done that. Here's what worked for us. And here's what helped redeem our marriage. And so it's just fun. It's fun to see that 
through this group, even though people are struggling and marriages are hurting, that people are also willing to work on it. And it excites me for the future of just healing marriages and helping people (laughs) so that there's less divorce. I mean, I just can't even tell you at this age that we are at how many people are are getting divorced and it scares the crap out of me. <laughs> and so it's fun to see that in this community, there's just a lot of people who care about their marriage on a, such a deep level that they're like, Hey, we're struggling, but I'm willing to try to do whatever I can to work on it. Yeah. And if you are not in that group, we would strongly encourage you to head over there. Once again, it's a free Facebook group. You can go to marriagemore.com forward slash F B short for Facebook, marriagemore.com forward slash F B. So please come on, request to join. We'd love to have you in there just to share who you are, what you're working on. And it doesn't have to be struggles. And we love to hear the good things that are going on as well. So we'll be excited to see you in there. Yeah, we need both. We need people who are struggling. We also need healthy marriages. And we need couples that have been married longer than us. We need experienced couples. I just think it's good to have a variety of different couples in there where we can all lean on each other and help each other out. And I think it's just, once again, as a reminder that everybody has a different spot in their marriage. And it's so easy to think that you're the only one struggling with fill in the blank. You know, you're the only one struggling with this, whatever that issue is with your spouse or with your marriage. And I promise you that you're not. You're not the only one struggling. We may have not struggled with that exact issue, but I promise you there's someone in that group that has. And that's just a reminder that you're not alone. You know, and that's why really just been the the focus and the motivation for us continuing with this podcast and why we're recording right now. Yep. So that being said, we thought uh, today's podcast was inspired by, was an update in uh, the the group. We didn't want to read like the exact situation, you know, what was going on, but it definitely thought it was something that we should speak to because this is something, once again, that we also struggled with in the beginning of our marriage and uh, has to do with money, money and finances. And I I think they always say that uh, finances is probably the number one reason why most couples get divorced or have a falling out. And I will say that that was something in the beginning that we routinely fought about, routinely fought about. And it was always Mandy's fault, of course. (laughs) Duh. I'm definitely not the certified financial planner in our marriage. Yeah. And once again, if you are listening for the first time, I'm a financial planner, have been doing this for almost uh, almost 15 years now. So that's been my career. You know, Mandy started off her career in uh, working for a hospital, but also in the retirement division, you know, helping with their retirement plan before uh, she made the leap to being a stay-at-home mom, which basically means she just eats chocolates and watches Whatever. Like, Dateline all day. Whatever. like a full-time online entrepreneur. <laughs> oh, I forgot You're about that You're forgetting part. about all of the things I've done. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Am I really? Just <laughs> <laughs> you are rude. I love you. Uh-huh. love you. I think the, the emphasis of what, in regards to what we want to talk about today, is that common struggle, that common disagreement, common point of view that comes with when you have a working spouse and a non-working spouse. Or it also could apply even in the beginning of our, not so much the beginning, but later on in our, when we were both working was when you have one that is the breadwinner and the other one that is still providing a salary, but maybe is not, you know, equal to what the other spouse is providing. And I think that's actually, and we can actually start there because I feel like that is where it began. 
And the point I want to, I guess the point we're getting at is whenever you have a spouse that's making a most, most of that money, you know, how they approach the marriage with that, the attitude of the right attitude is I'm the one making the money. So I get to make the rules. I mean, that's one opinion and one stance that you can have. Whereas pretty much if you have that stance, I say that I'm not saying your marriage can't work, but I definitely feel that you're going to have some struggles along the way. Yeah, and yeah, unless you just have a, a spouse that is very, very, very <laughs> doesn't want confrontation and will just do whatever you say, which is also not going to be good for your marriage either. But I, I agree. You can't have one spouse feeling that way and it work. I mean, not for very long at least. Yeah, I think that the flip side of that, I mean, we're talking about making money, but it also could be talking about the debt side of things where maybe you have one spouse that has no debt and the other one uh, comes in with credit card debt or student loan debt. And, you know, how do you treat that? You know, is that the spouse's debt and it's on them to take care of it? Or is that, you know, joint debt? And, you know, we talked about this, I think, in a previous podcast, also talking about joint checking accounts and individual checking accounts. And if you're curious, like where we stand on that, 100% is everything is joint, period. Like there is no question, there is no, well, what about this or what about this? You know, and I've seen situations where everything is joint, but maybe there was an inheritance from a parent and that's they're still keeping that in single name because it was their parents' money. You know what? I'm sorry, but it's joint. You know, I mean, you married your spouse to your death of your part. I mean, that's what yours is hers and hers is yours and that's how it needs to be. And if you're trying to find some wiggle room to that, I just feel like it's an excuse. So if you're curious how we stand, one, everything is joint. And and I feel like we've always felt that way. I mean, I never had an individual account. You know, I never thought, oh, this is my money. Even when, uh, you know, I got a small inheritance, you know, from my grandmother like that, that was ours, you know, and we talked about that. And we'll, well, I guess we weren't married yet, though, technically. We were engaged or soon to be engaged. I would have given you. I would have put into a name, though. <laughs> Let's talk about the time this really quick. Remember when we went, we got married in Las Vegas. That's a whole other story <laughs> for I'm sure you could find on a previous podcast. But remember when we got married in Vegas and we were like, we literally were downstairs in the casino before we were going up to the stratosphere, the chapel in the clouds. And I was playing the like 25 cent Wheel of Fortune slots. Do you remember this? Vaguely. Okay. I don't ever play slots. Like I'm one of those, like I'll bet $20 and then like, that's it. And so I did. And I ended up winning, like, I don't know. It was like four or $500. Wasn't it? I don't remember the exact amount, but it was like a substantial amount, especially for young, newly getting married couples. Like it was a lot of money to me. And so of course I was like, Oh babe, I just won $500. And he was like, sweet. Half of that is mine. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, we're, we're getting married now. And I'm like, Oh, what? That is so not even fair. But it's true. It was like my mindset was like, oh, this is, I won this money. But then literally like 10 minutes later, we got married. It, our ceremony was like seven minutes. So I, I was pretty sure though that whenever I made that comment, you responded with, but we're not married yet or something to that extent. <laughs> we still had 10 minutes. <laughs> so I think you went out and bought like a new purse or a new pair of jeans before I we got married. Sp- I'm sure I split it with you. I'm sure you did. Okay. I'm sorry to get off this off track, but I just remember that and it's just kind of funny. So I, I'm trying to remember exactly if there was a time that anything that was specific, but I definitely know that there were times that in my heart when I was the breadwinner in our household that I felt like there were certain situations where 
I had a right to do something, whether it was like go out with some friends or, or get out of doing some other like duty, some other obligation, a household obligation. I felt that in my heart, like I truly believe that I had a right not to do it because of the fact that I was the one that was making you more believed money. past I, tense. I believed. <laughs> I believed. But thankfully, you don't believe that now. I don't know if I ever verbally said it, but because I think I've always, and I'm not sure if that's just something, I don't know. Like, I just felt like that's something I've always, I've always felt that that was not right. You know, like it was definitely our money, but I might have believed that, but there are definitely times where my actions spoke louder than my words and my supposed beliefs. And I don't remember any exact conversation, but I remember having conversations where I might not have said it, but based on my willingness to do something or not do something that was, you know, important for us, I mean, you had no other conclusion to have but that I felt that way. That makes sense? Yeah, no, it does. And I agree. You never voiced it and you never said it to me, but I do feel like your actions were like, yeah, but that's basically what you're saying by what you're doing. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's true. I don't remember specific situations either, but I do remember that we struggled with this early on. And I know that growing up, I have had lots of experiences with friends of family that have been in this situation. And so I was sensitive to the situation before we even got married because I had seen people struggle with using money as more of a control issue in their marriage instead of using it as something that you view as a joint thing. And so I was very sensitive. I did not want to be controlled by anybody's money. And that's why I really held on to my job as long as I did. And not even because you ever said those things to me, but because in my experience from past things is that I thought, well, I have to have a job. Like if I don't have my own money, then, you know, like then you're going to control everything. And I'm just going to have to like listen and, and do everything you say. And, <laughs> and so it was a struggle. I think, too, is that I feel that part of the reason, and maybe with our generation, is that when we look at our, like our parents' generation or even our grandparents' generation, I mean, it was more common to have the man that was working and the mom to be there, the one to raise the kids. And so I'm sure just with past generations, I mean, that's just what's been passed down on and what we have been witness to with a lot of our you know, our parents, you know, I see that in, in my, my parents or my mom and my stepdad at least. And so I think that when we're raised that way or we've seen that in our household and now here we are married, it's like that's what we know. So that's how we almost feel like that's how our marriage should be. And whether we truly believe that, but it's just because that's what we've been raised with, you know, that's just kind of kind of innate in us. But I mean, I look back on how that that is and how how it used to be. Obviously, things have changed now. I mean, you have more two spouses working, and you know, you have equal uh, responsibility in the household. And I just think that that type of mentality and that type of thought thought process is just so dated. And also, it's also it's I just almost frown upon it now because I feel like it it really discounts what in most times the because we see more stay-at-home moms. I know they're all stay-at-home dads, but I think it just discounts like how much work goes into raising children. 
And, you know, me just being, having working from home now more, you know, here the last year or so and just being home more and just seeing with our daughter, like, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's hard work, you know, it's stressful, it's draining. And, and just to discount that, I think from a, a husband's point of view, or if you're a stay home dad and the wife discounts, like the work that goes into raising children at home, I mean, I just feel like that's, once again, a recipe for disaster in your marriage. Like Jeff said, this is a topic that was brought up in our private Facebook group, um, and we don't want to specifically point any certain situation out because we would never do that to anybody. But we felt like this is something a lot of couples struggle with, and this is something that we personally, um, like Jeff has been talking about, like we've struggled with. And so we wanted to talk on about it from a general perspective of how we feel it changed our marriage when we changed the way that we thought about money and just not having your money separate and making it joint. And so I think that's mostly what we want to talk about today is not anybody's specific situation, but just how everybody has probably been through this at some point, because when you get married, you each have money and there has to be that conversation. And it's hard, especially if you're used to being independent and it's your money and then you come together. I I think very few couples just automatically intertwine their lives like it's no big deal and everything's fine. I think that this is probably something maybe, I mean, this is probably going out on a limb, but every couple has at least spoke about to each other or thought about. And so I think we just want to speak some truth into that on how we view it and what has helped us. Yeah. So I think as maybe like as a recap and further moving along is that one, everything needs to be joint. It's your money as a couple, as a husband and wife, everything needs to be joint. Two, if you are the primary breadwinner of your household that does not give you any greater right (laughs) in your marriage like it does not give you like a larger vote you still have to pull your weight when it comes through some of the household duties and some things that go along with that and i think kind of like probably the third part too is that just because you make the money doesn't mean that you get every decision that has to do with that money so that doesn't mean that because you make all the money that you get to decide like as a dictator on how to spend it, what you can spend it on, and you know you're going to dole out an allowance to your your spouse, and they can only spend over a certain amount. I mean, okay, maybe if you have a discussion about okay, here's our budget for the month, and here's how much we can afford, like that's different, right? I mean, that's like that's okay. Without that discussion, just as a as like more of a parental role, say, hey, here's you get fifty bucks for the week, and blah, blah, blah. And like that, that's all you get. And that's, and you treat it more from a parental dictator role versus a, okay, what are our goals with our money? Here's our budget. We're trying to stay within. Here's how much we could probably afford on leisurely type stuff. Like that's totally different. Yeah. And I think the issue that we're talking about is when people use money to control their spouse. And so that's specifically what we're speaking to and not just control, but really abuse them with this kind of like thing. I mean, and People have been reaching out saying, you know, their spouses won't even let them get in the bank account. They have no idea how much money they have. They're not allowed to look at it. You know, they're scolded when they spend over the two $25 they were allowed to spend that week at the grocery store. It's just things that, that are not okay. And this is specifically from a husband-wife standpoint because I think the issue biblically that we're dealing with is, is the whole issue of like submitting to your husband's. And so that's what we were discussing because there was the controversial, you know, oh, you're supposed to submit to your husband. But it is, if your husband is treating you in any kind of way that's abusive, and that doesn't even have to be with money, 
But if he's controlling you with money or if he's, I, I don't know, I'm trying to think of all kinds of different things, but it's emotional abuse or if he has an addiction or if there's some kind of sin or an affair, like it, it's all the same. Like you submitting to your husband when he's doing something that is not biblical and is sinful is not okay. I think that's where we're going with this specific. Yeah. And actually when you were just talking, I remembered a, a situation. I can't remember how I was privy of this. I think it was potentially a, a new client that we ended up not taking on, but it was a, a couple that was looking to get out of debt. She was a stay at home mom. He worked and she wanted to get out of debt. They had a lot of credit card debt. The husband was oblivious to it, but she's the one that like would check all the credit card statements and it would just really just try to advocate to him like, hey, we need to like have a budget and be more in control of our spending. He gave her an allowance and then, but then anytime he wanted to buy something, he bought it. Like didn't even think twice about it. But if she went out to go buy something, I mean, she wasn't even allowed to. And I think that's just like, a perfect type of an example of what we're addressing here. And that might be on the extreme side of things, but extreme side, but we do see that. Like I still see that time and time again. So I think just to show you an example of what that looks like, and that's not healthy. Like that's not good. Yeah. And I just want to read something because I was doing a little bit of research on this from a biblical standpoint. And I want to read something that I came across, but I think it's on faith.com. CO is the website that this came from, but I really resonated with the things that this writer was saying. And so I'm going to start. I'm just going to read a little bit of what was said. And, and it says, when Christian teachers address marriage, they usually flip to one of five passages. Proverbs 31, Ephesians 5, 1 Peter 3, 1 Corinthians 7, Genesis 2, and three. And by focusing on only those five passages, I believe we misunderstand them. The main thing that these marriage passages teach is that women should submit to their husbands. We usually interpret that to mean women should do whatever their husbands want, as if he is the general and she is the soldier. Yet if the only answer women have is submit, then we're leaving women helpless in the face of serious sin. That's problematic because the rest of scripture clearly shows that that's not what God intends. God wants us to look like Jesus. God's will is that people come to know him, 2 Peter 3, 9, and that they be transformed to look more like Christ. If women are told to blindly obey, then Christians are treating male headship as the ends instead of the means. Obeying a husband's will should never trump obeying God's will. And I think that that sentence is what stuck out to me most, is obeying a husband's will should never trump obeying God's will. And so she goes on to give a couple different examples of Peter and Paul in the Bible and how they used God's authority higher than any earthly authority. And I can link to this article whenever we give the show notes because I think reading the entire thing on here, I can't do that. But it was definitely enlightening for me to read this. And so I'm going to read just a little more at the end. So it says, so what should a wife do if a husband is choosing to act badly? And when we say act badly, this pertained to this situation for us because the situation we were talking about was abusing their wife with emotional, you know, torment over money and controlling them with money. And so in Matthew eighteen fifteen through 17, Jesus gives us a blueprint. You confront the person first. If that doesn't work, then you ask one or two others to come and sit down and talk. So a mentor group or maybe some type of therapy session. And if that doesn't work, then you would involve the church. And so, of course, a hallmark of a healthy marriage is that you let little things go. Not everything needs to be confronted. Some things, however, are not little. And so we would consider this something that is not little and that would need to be addressed. I think Jeff had some really good advice when he was 
giving advice in the group about this specific thing when you were talking about how to approach it. Do you remember what you said about that? A little bit. I mean, I think, I mean, the one thing I suggested, because in this situation, she felt as if she couldn't actually talk to him about it because there was always a response of anger anytime it was any money issues was brought up. And once again, like we didn't know the entire situation, so didn't want to like cast judgment and say, oh, he's a horrible husband. I mean, you know, it's just, this is all just within context. But, you know, I thought as kind of starting off was writing a letter and just kind of explaining how she feels to be able to put it on paper. That way she gets a chance, hopefully have her voice heard, uh, and then he can read that at his own time. So that was kind of like the, the first thing. But I think going back to the whole like submit thing, you can read that in context. Wives, yes, it is biblical to submit to your husbands. But I think the other aspect too, though, is like, I mean, it goes on to say that, you know, you husbands like, you know, love your wife, you know, like, like you love Jesus Christ. I mean, you have to show her love, unconditional love, you know, like, like Jesus Christ loved the church. And if you're not doing that and you're expecting her to submit to you, then I think that your views are totally jaded. And I think that was something kind of what I struggled with in the beginning was I was expecting submission, but I was expecting it without giving any anything else. Like in my view, like I made the money, so that was my unconditional love. Like, yes, I'm, that's one aspect providing for my family, but I obviously my heart was not where it needed to be. I totally took for granted everything that Mandy did in our house. And, you know, that's not just with our kids, but, you know, with cooking and cleaning and laundry and paying the bills and doctor's appointments for the kids and all these other things that go along with, you know, running the household. And once I started to truly understand, like, what she did, and it made me, over time, and, you know, through prayer and, and mentorship and just being in a really good small group, I started recognizing, like, yeah, I've got to change my heart on this. Like, I'm totally off base when it comes to this. And, because I think it was a question that came up, like, how did you finally see it? And, like, it didn't happen overnight. I mean, it took a lot of time and just, and discussion in helping her understand, like, if I ever felt like I wasn't being appreciated for what I did, you know, how to just voice that in a way that we could work through that. And, because I think that's one aspect, you know, if you come with the attitude that I make all the money, I make all the decisions, which obviously is the wrong attitude, a common response is, well, I, you know, you don't appreciate me, da-da-da-da-da, I do all this stuff, and then and the, the, the breadwinner could feel as if, like, they're not appreciated for what they do. You know, like, it just goes this, and it's, you're all trying to be on the same page, but... It's a lose-lose when it's you approach a lose, it that way. Right, totally. You know, and I think that's just to have, you've you got to have the understanding of, yes, you're providing for your family, but your heart has to be in the right place. And it, my heart would have been in the right place had I not been involved more of a church and you know plugged into our small group so i mean it's hard for us to say try to do this without having jesus in your life i, I mean i'm sure you could i just think it's going to be that much more difficult you know if you understand the scripture and or if you just read one line of scripture and apply that and make that the doctrine and realize like that's not the only scripture in the bible and you got to read other aspects like mandy shared but i think that's with me it was just a work in process yeah, and I think if you're you're in the situation right now with your spouse, I think the most important thing that you can do is not just be quiet. I think that you need to confront them, but I also think you need to be careful, and this is what Jeff spoke to in the group, you need to be careful about how you confront them. And so if you confront them and use the word abuse or attack them and point fingers at them, it's not going to help. Like this 
conversation, it will magnify the problem times a hundred. So I think you need to be honest and genuine without trying to attack them and just telling them how it makes you feel when they use money to, you know, you feel like it's this controlling factor over your life. And I just think you really do need to be careful, but I think that you don't need to shy away from that. You need to have that conversation. And so many people are afraid to have that conversation. And if you're afraid of your spouse, it's a whole other problem. (laughs) But you need to not be afraid to stand up for yourself because we are here to tell you that it's wrong. It's wrong on so many levels. It's wrong from a biblical standpoint. It's wrong in general. And so you do have a right, but please, please, please don't do it in an an attacking way. And and if that doesn't work, because I know many of you are probably sitting out there thinking, if I bring this up to him, he's going to be so mad or she's going to be so mad. She'll never listen to me. This is going to go nowhere. She'll just be so ticked off. And if that's the case, then you're going to need to maybe seek therapy. You're going to maybe seek counseling. But first, you're going to, you know, don't just make a counseling appointment and be like, we're going to counseling over something they don't even know there's an issue about, you know? And so make sure you talk to them first. If that doesn't work, then seek counseling. Um, if they're not willing to do counseling, you can still do counseling on your own and seek advice from a counselor about what you can do to get them interested in counseling or what you can do to change your ways about the issue that you're dealing with. So don't just think, well, they they won't go to counseling, so that's not an option. Because you can still go to counseling, and you can still learn things and learn ways that you can better your marriage, and then pray and hope that they will see the changes that you're making and eventually want to join in you on that with you. Yeah, and I think uh, just kind of wrapping up, also patience, you know, and and grace in, in this, because it could be a very difficult conversation if you tried having that conversation and it went nowhere, um, I'd also tell you, like, don't give up. Just because you feel like you've made no strides or made no progress every time you try to bring it up in the past, you know, don't don't give up. Bring it up again. Find a, a new way, a new tactic. You know, like I suggested, writing a letter. You know, maybe it's writing a letter or it's scheduling a lunch and trying to go to lunch and have you know talk about it in a public place. Or maybe it's recording a little video like on your phone and and sending it to them. So there's a variety of different ways. That I promise you that you probably haven't tried that you need to, because if you want your marriage to work, if you want this situation to to get better, then you have to be persistent. Amen. 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 <laughs> That's Our, like becoming the end of the <laughs> end of the show is the amen. Yeah. So once again, we appreciate you uh, tuning in to the Marriage More Podcast. We love the fact that you are here, that you're committed to making, you know, like I said, not to be cheesy, but making your marriage more. Mandy and I, we we love this. Even to this day, we still learn a lot through what you're going through. It reminds us of some of the hurts that we're going through and also helps us recognize maybe there's issues in our marriage that we haven't addressed yet. So we just appreciate you tuning in. And until next time. Well, and I also want to just say really quick before we thank you to the people who are in our free Facebook group. Thank you for being willing to share the hard struggles that you're dealing with. And thank you for the people who are willing to pray for those people Thank you for the people who are willing to say, hey, I've been through that. Like, just I just want to say thank you because it's changing. It's changing lives. And so if you're in that group, if you're not yet, get in there. But if you are in that group, just thank you for, for being there and for listening to other women and husbands and couples and praying for them and helping them. So until next time, <laughs> this is your life. This is your marriage and only you can make it more. Take care.